God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? another one of those times guys another one of those times we get to do life on purpose we hope we hope and hope that we, you are having an on purpose week after shabbat you're ready to rock and roll you're ready to be on purpose you're moving on purpose so we thank you for joining us we were off last week and i know that quite a few missed that but uh this week we're back on i will be unfortunately not here next week because i'm celebrating a 10-year anniversary with my wife so hey. I will be out. <laughs> Let me get my so, crying towel out. I know. I have it right here. Just trying to catch up to Mike here as he's been, uh, what was that again, 40? <laughs> what was it something? I can't, huh? I can't oh, remember. It was day 44 on, day, on episode 33 on the 22nd. Yes. So we got a three, three, right now. Four, we got a three, three, no, we got a two, two, three, three, four, four. Two, two, three, three, four, four. And just recently we had an anniversary with you, Mike. What was, uh, what was that year again? I don't know. 68. Oh, there we go. What? All right. That's, man, it's, it's, I'm trying to get there, Mike. I'm trying to get to that number, you know, <laughs> trying to get there. No, <laughs> I had, I had a, a wedding anniversary, my fifth, my 42nd. Daniel, if you're saying I'm 68, <laughs> next time I see you, I'm going to show you 68. So, as you can tell, this episode is going to be kind of crazy. So, you got me, Dave. You got Mike. No, here, here's, the thing. here's the thing. I've I've heard um, this this be science. Like this has all of the sciences all on top of it. Um, I have heard that you can be the most creative when you're the most tired because there's like something that kind of can happen where the the part of you that is always criticizing yourself kind of gets shut off in a way and so you're too tired to tell yourself that you can't do it and so there's more so what i'm saying is everybody get ready because <laughs> you got a, got a whole lot of that going on i was about to say i was like i was trying to figure out where you're going there with your yeah. daniel because i was like hmm but you know what uh all those times studying all those times being prepared for tests uh, i think you actually might be right about that now with now you transfer testing with work it's i think it's one of the same so last one we haven't mm -hmm. mentioned is ryan ryan's with us here as well so mm -hmm. this should so, be great should be so ryan how with us are you that's the question uh, i'm about 10 percent with you guy now <laughs> all right okay. uh, yeah oh, man. if i'm a v8 engine i'm firing on like two cylinders y'all yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so guys I, I guess what we're saying is that uh you know though we we do this on uh, monday nights usually on monday nights sometimes it's different but uh you know we all have lives you know, we're not just kind of sitting here and uh you know waiting all week to get on zoom but each of us has our different jobs and and we're we're out there trying to live our lives on purpose and uh so th this is something that people sometimes don't understand that uh when you're doing any type of ministry and this, this is what this program is, is a ministry i've hoped it's ministering to somebody um you don't disconnect you don't disconnect from life that uh you know we yeah. are uh you know d different people having different jobs different roles and then we come in here and, and here we come, uh, you know, and so, yeah, we come in kind of tired, the same as everybody else does to things, but, um, uh, the, the, you know, the program must go on. 
Because mm-hmm. hopefully we got something to say, right? Yeah. Hopefully, we hopefully so. Hope so. I think we can figure something out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we well, usually let, do. Let me let me take us to the place then. Uh, worship. Okay. Now, I I was talking to to Kathy about this a couple times because you know she actually does uh, watch our our program. And uh, she said, you know, no matter what I did in the last few weeks, you guys took me back to music. Okay. <laughs> I, I tried to take you to a different place and you took me back. So I'm just going to let that go and uh, roll with this thing. And let's talk about how music is worship and how we are, those of us who are not part of the instruments, the platform, the voices on the stage with the microphone and all those kind of things. But does that mean that we're not part of the worship? And we're just watching you guys do it? Absolutely not. Like, um, I have a couple, a couple things to see if I can arrange them in my brain. So, uh, okay, sweet. They're actually related now that I think about it. Okay. So I was listening to some... oh, yeah, buckle in. Um, I was listening to someone <laughs> recently, and he was he was saying, um, it was in a church setting, and he was telling everyone, "Listen, this place right here, this is the weakest place mm. for you to worship, because the atmosphere is set for you." Like you are here Mm. with this intentional purpose. Like this has already been set aside for you. We have great musicians. We have people who understand worship and all you have to do is be here. Like this is the weakest, most, um, I don't, I don't want to, not lazy, but like you get what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. place for you to worship because everything has been prepared for you. And you can just, if as long as you just say yes to it, then you're there. Like this is available to you. And he asked the question, he went through a couple of little things. And then he said, when was the last time that you worshiped in a place that was not conducive for it? Hmm. And the reason I say that is because when we come together to worship with music, with whatever, it should not be an isolated event or, or an isolated incident. It should be a culmination And I think this way, just about Shabbat in general, or if you happen to meet on Sunday in general, like however you do your meetings, whenever you do it, um, you know, all of us here, we we observe a Saturday Shabbat. Mm -hmm. Um, It should not be like that is the time that you worship. It should be a culmination of everyone coming together, having worshiped throughout the week. And so when that happens, when you have a group of people who choose to worship throughout their week, meaning they step into a job they don't like, and they choose to worship and be grateful to God for having that job and knowing that they have a purpose there. When you have someone who chooses to worship while doing the dishes, I mean, this is, this is, this is where I got to choose to worship is doing the dishes and just, (laughs) you know, helping, uh, help my wife clean everything up at the end of the night. So she doesn't go crazy the next day. Um, when you choose to worship in those moments and then you come together that is what actually creates a powerful environment for worship. And at that point, the music is literally the thing we've been talking about the last few weeks of the background stuff. It's just the thing that kind of accompanies the worship. And so you, the non-musical people, or let's say the 
participants, as we've been we've been discussing, <laughs> discussing the participants we've been discussing, the people in the the um, in the audience in the group, whatever. Um, those people have just as much, if not more, impact on the effectiveness of the worship than the music people do, because they're the ones that can really take it and run with it, if that yeah. makes sense. Mm. Mm. Yes. I think if I can just jump off that end, that, that idea, I recently went to a secular concert and it was, <gasps> oh, yeah. oh, right. <laughs> oh man, don't oh, put down your stones. But <laughs> that was what was interesting. It was, there, there were a couple bands. One band was interacting with the crowd in one way, then the other band act, reacted differently. What was amazing is I was sitting towards the rear because cheaper tickets, so yay, and we get to go to a live concert. But it was really interesting to see how the interaction from the stage was actually really driven by the response from the people. Yeah, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. How comfortable they were on stage. Again, this is purely secular, but again, we've established many, many times that throughout this broadcast and what what science at least knows, music is a part of emotion, and music is what will help you get to a certain emotion. So, from the song choices they selected, all that it was all about trying to get the crowd hyped up at first, right? It's if you think about anything, it's always about trying to get the energy because. Mm -hmm. Musicians on stage react to that energy. So I wanted to tail off what Daniel's saying is that absolutely that's true. Is mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with, oh, are the guitars in tune and the words are playing perfectly, the lights are showing right, and and uh the, the singers are singing perfectly. Like it actually has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with those few people in obedience just, mm -hmm. just letting it all out. Mm -hmm. It forms mm -hmm. like a ripple effect. I wanted yeah. to comment yeah, on yeah. that. Thing. No, it does. And there's been many times where we've actually been leading worship and the audience at the particular venue or, you know, whether it would be a, uh, a conference or a Shabbat gathering or whatever, uh, they may be one of two things. They either may be complacent where they just want to kind of sit and be entertained. We've talked about this before, uh, or they may want to enter in and uh, there's been many times where the audience has not wanted to enter in, but the spirit was absolutely moving. But it was like he was just moving on on the stage amongst the musicians, yeah. because nobody that was, you know, in the audience wanted to actually dip their toe in the water. Yeah. Uh, so, mm -hmm. Ryan, that, that's not just with music, okay? I mean, mm -hmm. I've yeah. been yeah. I've been speaking for <laughs> a lot of years, and. Um, there, there are times that you go that I go somewhere to speak, and you've got a group of people that are sitting back, like with their arms crossed, going, "Well, bless me if you can." Right. Uh, that's hard. <laughs> you know, you just get drained, and yeah. the, so, you know, mm -hmm. people, people say, well, you know, at the end, you must be tired, you know, because I'll go somewhere and maybe speak three, four, five times in a weekend, uh, and I'll say, well, there, there's two different tireds here. Um, one of them is that the congregation that I was speaking to, that I was having to, to it was like shoveling. Okay. Mm. It was hard work. It was, it was forced labor. It was just every single word. I had to just, just kind of pry it into people. The other way 
is that people were so hungry for the word that they just kind of draw it out of you. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know, we, we've been in the same conferences together and we experience the same thing from a speaking standpoint or a worship standpoint. You know, I've, I've come to you, Ryan, many times and said, wow, that, that was hard. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had to just push through it. And, it, you know, how do you come in? How do people come into a service? Are they coming in open? Are they coming in desiring to be a part of it? Uh, or just the other, the totally opposite side, like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just here because, you know, because my wife made me that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that goes back to what Daniel said to kind of open things up was uh, really this, I think it's the people that have put the work in during the week, during the times where it's not necessarily conducive to worship, that then they come in and, you know, they're, they're actually hungry and this, the, the stage is set, if you will, for them to actually be able to just enter in and, and it be effortless. You know, if they don't desire it during mm-hmm. the week, why would you desire it, um, you know, on your Shabbat? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know. I think it's interesting that, um, Dad, you opened with this being a ministry of sorts. And so I think that that might be part of this here is that when when people come to about gatherings, to conferences, and they see the people on the stage, whether it's the speakers, the musicians, um, or you know, the worship leaders, it it's easy to look at those people and say, oh, they are in ministry. But the truth mm-hmm. is that every single person in the room is in ministry. And if you don't acknowledge that whatever you do, whoever you are, you have a ministry and your ministry is equal to no less, no greater than the ministry of those on the stage, then you might come in with only a receiving mind and not just a giving mind mm-hmm. or a, a receiving heart and not just a giving heart. Because if you acknowledge that you are in ministry, whether it's to your family, um, to your, you know, to your wife, your children, to your, your job, whatever you do, where God has placed you, you are in ministry in that area of your life. And it is extremely important. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to go in with a different mindset. But if you do understand it, then you'll come in knowing not only do I want to receive from these people, I just want to give what I have to offer. And part of that is just understanding that you have something to offer. No, that's true. Hmm. You You know, I'm thinking about this in light of uh, most, a lot of us, we don't do this anymore because we just decided it was, it was something that we didn't want to have to deal with the focus, but in many congregations, uh, we have what's called an oneg. And for those of, that have not been around Hebrew roots kind of, you know, or, or synagogues or something like that, uh, that's, that's the, you know, it's a time of, of a meal together. Okay. It's not, uh, it's not a blood type. Uh, so we <laughs> have this, this oneg thing and people get together. So, and, and of course, you know, the scripture says where two or more are gathered, there shall be food. Uh, it's not actually what it says, but it is a principle of life. Yes. And um, so yeah. it, it's, it's funny when you, when you put together, when, when I was in Florida, when I was pastoring a, a church there, uh, we would have a, a dinner on the ground is what we called it. No, we didn't actually eat on the ground. Okay. We had tables. We were in the South, but we had tables and, um, and people would go to extremes. I mean, you know, 
Kathy, uh, a friend of a friend of mine and Kathy's, uh, she made a, a, a seventeen layer chocolate cake. Oh, yes, and she'd come up to me and say, "Preacher, saved a piece of that cake for you because I know it's going to be gone soon." So you're one of my favorite people. And people <laughs> would, you know, they they would take the whole week and prepare this meal. Uh, I moved to Tucson. We have the same concept of a dinner, and people would go by and get a bucket of KFC. Mm-hmm. So, so what am, what am I trying to say? What are you doing when you come to congregation? Mm-hmm. In the, in our worship, in our receiving of the word, are we bringing a prepared meal or fast food? Could you say also it's a battle of the mind? Really, that's really that you're coming down to is where's your mindset at coming into this thing? So the whole week, what are you doing? Like you compared two different people. It was something that was just thrown together quick, which, okay, to not offend anyone who's very good at making things very quickly, very tasty and good, no offense to y'all. It's not nothing about that. <laughs> but there is something about that preparation, that attitude, that mindset. And I've been around those people you're talking about, Mike, where they took that time the entire week going, what am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? What am I going to bring? Mm-hmm. And they think about it a lot to bring it for them. So then, so take the food aspect out. What are you going to bring for that public gathering of worship? And I think that that's been the, I think that's been the most thing that's challenged me the most is realizing that worship does not happen. Worship can happen without music. And it really comes down to obedience. And I would even throw in honesty. If you're just being honest with the father about where you're at with things. Yeah. Giving mm-hmm. you strength through things. Like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. throw that in there because, man, if you come into that public gathering, you, they talk about instead of you being like, well, I only have my uh, receiver on. I don't have my transmitter on either. I'm mm-hmm. just going to have my receiver on. I'm only going to receive mm-hmm. messages, not transmit messages. I'm only going to receive. Man, I challenge you to go back into that public time of worship together mm-hmm. and turn both of them on. You might find mm-hmm. a deeper level that you've never been to before, and it, you'll realize what songs were they playing? I have no idea. I was, yeah, I was yeah, in my true. own world. And, I have no idea what you're thinking or, or, or what they were playing. And, and one of the reasons that this is so important is because there's going to be people that legitimately can't, they don't have anything to give. Like they're so dry and in a desert season mm. that they just, it is all they have to be there. And I know this firsthand because we have four children and they are six and under and it takes everything we have as a family to get through the door. And sometimes right now it's just me or me and the boys because we're just, (laughs) yeah, it's uh, it's, it's hard. Um, It's extremely fulfilling, but man, you know, I maybe drink too much energy drinks these days. Um, Mom, you didn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, but that's why it's so important to to come in prepared to give and to receive because there's going to be people that need that need you that need what you have to offer because they're so dry and they need to receive from you. But if we all come in with just a receiving mindset, then none of that happens, and we all leave dry. To add on to that point, like, because there's been times too in worship where I've, I've absolutely felt where I was like, I'm, I'm receiving mode. I'm just receiving. I don't think I have even enough to even 
to give to others. But some of the most amazing times is being able to either on stage or out and about, but actually record seeing people going to one another. That's so amazing is when that's happening because you know that either one of them is at a state of just I'm I'm totally I'm just trying to receive as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And that other person coming there and just supercharge that. And it's just this mm-hmm. amazing thing to watch and observe. And the obedience that that one person is listening to the father going, this is something that needs to be prayed for mm-hmm. or whatever, or even something more intense or just kindness just kindness mm-hmm. it's crazy this mm-hmm. world doesn't have any kindness so just having kindness is enough to send yeah. someone and even further we we are called the body and have you ever like cut your finger or something and then all of a sudden you realize how difficult it is to wash your hair or brush your teeth or something because yeah, you cut your so the finger of your dominant hand it's mm-hmm. like how how on earth but you still have that other hand and so just realizing that we are we are that body that sometimes your hand is going to be injured and you need the other part of your body to really step up and like uh pick up the slack because you just can't do the things that you would normally do you know with that it's, it's a great uh a great well not segue but just an example because you know as as people that come in and are all four of us are normally in ministry mode. Uh, when we, you know, I seldom am at a congregation that I'm not doing some kind of a ministry. Okay. Whether it be life assembly here, I'll be with Barry Phillips in two weeks up in, um, in, in Virginia, God willing, uh, we'll be in Rev- revived together. I don't know the last time that I was in a, in, in a congregational setting that I was just sitting. Uh, it doesn't happen, okay? Because that's what I'm called to. You guys, you're probably not going to be, you know, just heading over to, you know, the the local congregation and 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 somebody not say, hey, why don't you guys, you know, would you mind? Uh, it just is what we do, okay? But I can tell you very bluntly to to people out there, there's times. It's as Daniel was saying, it's hard for me to get through the door. It mm-hmm. just is because, you know, so many things like uh, we had a, a crazy Daniel, you know, well, you guys all know about what's been going on on my life personally um, in the last, last few weeks. Sometimes it's hard to even get through the door, but when you get there, you make yourself get there. And and the next thing I do is I look up and I see a Chris Sharp walk in the room, and I see Alex walk in the room, and and they're there and they're they're early and they're they're you know Chris is walking over to me going hey look you know let me tell you what God's been showing me this week and all of a sudden it's like let's do this mm-hmm. you know let's get this thing done let's let's enter into it. But you know if 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 everybody's showing up late and you're sitting there it's you know it's almost time for service like. Well, I guess I'm going to be here by myself today. And then people just kind of drag in the door and, well, you know, what's God saying to you? Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, somebody needs to be coming into the door with something mm-hmm. because maybe it's your something mm-hmm. that's going to, to just release what everybody else in the room needs. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And because come- we are, Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, if you come in, and Dave, you mentioned those that are dry. I think it was you, Dave. 
you know, those that come in and, and they uh, they have nothing necessarily to offer because the cup is empty, if you will. Um, I would also challenge them and, and say, sometimes you'll come in and be in a place of, and I've, I've found myself here many times, you know, uh, you know, woe is me, or, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with something, I'm going through something, you know what I mean? Um, and you want to come in and, and make it about yourself instead of about him and about the service. Yeah. But when you actually step into that role of service to others and those around you, that is when you start realizing, uh, I guess the biggest example I can give even this week, I had a, somebody call me, you know, going through some things this week, and I had somebody call me, and um, they asked me the question, they're like, you're you're in ministry, right? And I'm like, yes, you know what I mean? Um, and they're like, well, I have this person that needs help, they need prayer, they, they may need somebody they can go to, can you be that person? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this happened while I was sitting there dealing with something, thinking, woe is me, you know what I mean? But then you have to put that hat on of, yeah, I'll, I can, I'll be that person. And then pretty quickly you realize I, I'm not, I don't have it that bad. I'm not as dry as I thought it was. I still have more I can, I can give. So then your prayer changes from, you know, oh, Father, you know, what can you do? How, how can we change the situation to give, just give me the, the enough so I can help this person? Your focus changes. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, because, you know, we talked I... – Somewhere weeks ago, I guess it was about we we about the concept that uh, we've taught on. All of us have kind of taught together on of how we're not asking the Father to use us, but to flow through us. Right. So if we are that conduit, and that conduit is dry, well, okay. What's the best way to get the conduit wet again? Is for His Spirit to flow through, and and you know what happens. Is when that when his spirit starts to flow through us as that conduit, we also are refreshed from just the presence of that life-giving water of his spirit going through us. Yeah, that that's what I meant to say was that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, realizing it's not yeah. by our own strength that carries us through, right? I think that it's it's too easy. I it, day in and day out when you're waking up, when you're got to go to when you got to go to work. You're relying on your own physical status, physical strength to be able to get through the day, to be able to get through things. Worship's one of those times where you realize that, wait, I actually can lean on him. Or realizing that that's it's actually been available to you, but we get so in this fast-paced go, 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 mm-hmm. that we always rely on, oh, well, we just need to take some more. We just need to get some more uh, just – uh, where's that energy shot? Where 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 I got it? I was I was hooked on that stuff too, and I, I no no judgment there, Daniel at all. No judgment. I hear you. Um, uh, well, let me say coffee for all you. The most of you probably out there are probably drinking. So hey, you judging energy, but come on, coffee. All right. Anyways, off that little soapbox there for a second. I love my coffee. Anyways, love coffee. we know that. Yeah. <laughs> but. <clears throat> To realize that when it comes to something like this, or really even in other situations, knowing that you can lean on his spirit, you can lean on the attributes he has, that he keeps giving and giving and giving. And it's like, oh, I do have, like you said, Ryan, 
you're like, man, I'm going through a lot right now. But then that needs there. And you're like, well, I got to, well, if, if it's not me, then who, then who else? I think then realizing that, right. Being like the Esther story, realizing if it's not me, then who else? Mm-hmm. What if this, what if this is the last person that needs to talk to them? What if I would be the last person, but I said, I'm too tired. I can't do it. Mm. I think you would live, that would live on in your mind forever and ever and mm-hmm. ever realizing that you were it. You were the, you were the last checkpoint for that person's life. And we got kind of deep there for a second. Um, but you, it's, it's a dark world. It's you mm. seriously could be that one person and realizing that even though you're going through everything in it, you might not be the most or you might not feel like you're being the most righteous person in that moment. You can be that conduit still. Mm-hmm. Why? I yeah, was offered. I think God uh, chose you. Yeah. The, the nice part is when you realize, which even those who of us who have realized it initially still have to remember it on a daily basis, that though we are each a well and we are each a conduit and all these things, uh, we are not the source. Raise yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. when we are dry, we are never in a place where we are just waiting for the rain. Like, I don't know when the rain is going to come. Literally at any point when we turn back to him, he is ready with the water to refresh us again, to be to be made new. And one of the best ways I heard this put was from the leader of the uh, the campground, uh, Oak Ridge Camp in Oklahoma, where Camp Yeshua used to be held. Um, I worked there for a couple summers. Fantastic group of people. I learned so much, and I just love all of them so much. Um, but the the leader of that, he told us one time at the beginning of the summer, because the summers there as a staffer were they were nuts. Yeah. I mean, it is go, go, go every single day. And literally your days off. Um, and of course you have like a day off, but then maybe you have like two hours off on a different day. And that's like it every other day. You're just all day long. And so he said at the beginning, you guys are going to get to the point very quickly where you feel empty. You're going to get halfway empty and you're going to feel totally empty but you're going to ask God to fill you up and he's going to fill you up. And then the next time you're going to get to where you're a quarter empty and feel totally empty. And you're going to ask God to fill you up and he's going to fill you up. And each of those times that he fills you up, it's like your reservoir stretches mm-hmm. and you can go a little more and a little more each time because you're just becoming more, more supple and more flexible and all these things. And, and so we are to be like that, but not just always remember, we do not have to come up with the endless amount of energy we don't have to like be concocting these things to okay how can i just keep going because it's not about us and the other nice thing is that god is not looking for the perfect well or the perfect conduit Mm -hmm. or all these things if he was then i mean he would just be looking until yeshua came back again and so a little bit of sincerity and a single word will do everything you need it to do. And that word is yes. When you say yes to what God is asking you to do, you have done your part, honestly. And uh, there was a situation like this in my life recently where it was, I, I thought it was impossible. I did not think that what he was asking me to do was possible. It was 
but the way he, that he changed my heart 180 degrees on this particular issue after I said yes to him, I I had forgotten that that kind of thing was possible. And all it took was a yes from me. And he did the rest. He did everything else, literally. He's just that good. Like, <laughs> he, he does not give a command without also supplying every single thing you need to fulfill the command. So with that, yes, Daniel, uh, let's talk, uh, let's, where we were going to start with to begin with, we never have gotten there. What about the form? Okay, we're talking about the function of things and what worship is and in the musical setting and ministering to people and all those things. But, you know, I was thinking about the form of worship today. So I turned just to one uh, one book of Psalms that I read the other day. And um, this is Psalm 95. Just going to read a couple of, just a few verses. Come, let us sing to Adonai. Let's shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let's come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout for joy to him with songs of praise. For Adonai is a great God. He is a, a great king, greater than all gods. He holds the depth of the earth in his hands. The mountain peaks too be belong to him. The sea is his and he has, and he made it. His hands shape the dry ground. Come, let's bow down and worship. Let's kneel before Adonai who made us. For he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his care. If only today you would listen to his voice. So in there, here's a little bit of the form of worship. In just the, those few verses, we can sing, we can shout, we can have joy, we can enter into his presence, we can bow down, we can kneel, and we can listen. So, you know, he hasn't just given us this, this kind of a, a, a this fuzzy thing and didn't tell us anything. He, he talks about all through scriptures, mm -hmm. uh, you know, clap your hands. Uh, I wish that all that men would pray lifting holy hands unto him. These are the things that we can do that are outward expression. Now, here's a question. Uh, let me, let me kind of answer the question, then I'll throw it to you guys. Is why are we told about, why are we told to do these outward expressions? Is it possible because he doesn't need it, okay? He doesn't really need that outward expression, though he's asking us to. Is it possible that the outward expression of our worship is not about us, but is maybe about a person sitting next to us? And they don't know that, well, I'm worshiping God in my heart. Well, bless your heart. <laughs> I, I can't see that. You know, uh, people say, well, you know, uh, you know, that, that Messiah is my, is my joy. Well, let your face, let your face get a hold of that once in a while, you know, wouldn't hurt you to smile. Um, another person from that Christian camp would, would say to people, remind your face that you're saved. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. I got, I got, I got, I got the I Lord in my heart. Well, let him out sometimes, you know, don't yeah. just keep him locked up in there. Um, yes. so maybe that outward expression is about someone else next to us that needs to see our yes, so they can now enter into their yes. Did, did that make, that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This, yeah, this, I, I think when I jump on that, the whole idea of, like you said, the 
I really, the whole kneeling thing is what I think gets me from that entire Psalm, that kneeling part. I think, cause if you think about it, it's really, that's really the idea behind the entire thing is submitting your will to his, into what, who he is. Just suppressing it, saying, nope, you're, you're kneeling. I think that whenever I've seen that, I've always thought that when it's like, come, let's kneel before him. It is now suppress what you think, what you want, like what your desire, like what you think should be coming from this. Say, God, what do you want from all this? And realizing that you, you can literally go into your own space. You're right beside people. But you could close your eyes and just be totally somewhere else. And it's amazing. I, I mean, I see like, like you'll just feel that just there's something else that happens there. We've talked about filling up. We've talked about rec- like, like maybe making connections, seeing things. And the form is really that outward expression of what's going on with inside. So if you are forcing yourself outwardly to do things that maybe you're not feeling comfortable with, you're actually opening yourself up to even turning on that receiver because you're, this is like that, that, if you look at body language, right? Body language, when everyone's at their arms crossed, they're there, no. <laughs> and it's, as a speaker, Mike, I, I, I've seen, we'll be on stage ready to follow up after my kid. You'll see some people and it's like, oh man. And I know that the whole time you're like, oh my crap, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. <laughs> let, let me have a couple jokes their way. Oh, they're going to break. Yeah. I got them. <laughs> I'm going to figure, and now I'm going to figure out who, what they're, what I can uh, get them to outwardly open up so that they can receive what God's got flowing through me. Yeah. And that's where I think with you, like you think of it probably in that way, whereas for us, we're like, okay, what, what's the next tool we can grab out of our tool bag that yeah. will maybe break down a wall so no one's just standing there resistant to outwardly express. And it always surprises us which song, aka tool, mm-hmm. that God goes, nope, it's that one. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, it can't be that one. <laughs> no, nah, it can't be. It has to be this tool. We try that tool and God goes, uh-huh. Nope. Did, nope. did it work? <laughs> nope. Now, I, I do want to add, I'm going to be this guy. I do want to add to this one caveat. One thing I would say I don't or would not want to see is people performing outward expression, if you will, for the sake of outward expression, just because. Yeah. I would much rather you be honest and in a place of true, honest worship than just be like, oh, well, worship music is playing, therefore I must stand up, I must lift my hands. Mm -hmm. Because you can do that, you know, just because you might have the appearance of a tree doesn't make you a tree, right? Mm. Now, Mm Am I saying that getting out of your comfort zone is a good thing? Yes, absolutely. If you've never done that before, absolutely. Um, but I'm also not, you know, next time you hear Exodus Road, well, they expect me to stand up every time they play. I, I don't want to see, you know, that's not true. What I do want you to do is is worship and enter into an honest place of worship with the Father and go before him in that spirit. Uh, thinking of the things he has done for you, praising him for all, for he is worthy of praise, uh, not just being there and be like, well, this is what I'm expected to do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say I agree wholeheartedly with that and would also add um, 
that I have definitely heard people criticize the people, and I'm sure you guys have too, that are always raising their hands every single time. And they're like, oh, it's just, you know, it's, and I know this is not what you're saying, yeah, but no. they're looking at those people like, oh, this is, it's just habit for them. Like, it's just, they just do this because, but maybe that's just, they've come to a place in their life that literally every time the worship starts, that's where they are because that's who they are. And I would also pair with that, that um, is the person who's, who's got their arms crossed. Well, it's just not my personality to, <laughs> you know, do this kind of thing. And I would say what you're saying, Ryan, like it is a good thing to get out of your comfort zone. And so what, what I'll actually, what I'll actually say for me is think of, you know, let's just paint a little, a little picture here. You know, let's say, um, my wife is like, you know, do you love me? Like you haven't given me a hug in two days and you haven't told me you loved me in two days, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, it's in my heart. Yeah. How's that? We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll how's that going to go? Yeah. Yeah, this is Mary's some... Counseling 101 here. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, At boy. some point what is in your heart has to come out an expressionless mm -hmm. marriage is going to be sad period end of story so yeah. at some point there has to be expression in one way or another and it has to be somewhere other than just in your heart it has to be made known it has to be made clear and understood and i would combine with that that in the same way that faith without works is dead intention without action is dead mm -hmm. like th the thoughts in your heart and how you how you may or may not feel maybe you really do maybe god really does know your heart and he knows how much you love him but at some point that feeling and that thing that is inside of you has to turn into an action and it was really interesting i was listening to a uh, a a conversation between a jew and a christian today regarding lust and mm -hmm they are they are both in full agreement with each other about how they were defining it and but it was interesting because the christian is like i may not always know at what point this thing became lust you know this action this sin whatever it was i may not be able to define that exact point because um the christian mindset tends toward more spiritual side and yeah. then the the jewish person is like Yes, I mean, we were totally agreed on the definition of lust, but here's the thing that Judaism does is we just give a whole list of things like you're not to do this, 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 and this, because those things are clearly defined as lust. And so you have to bring those two things together. It is the spiritual concept, and it is also the physical, whatever it is. It can't be just one or the other. They have to cross paths at some point. Yes. Well, you know, we got these extreme. Okay, we're talking about the extremes here. We're talking about one side of the of this thing that somebody walks in and, um, you know, the first the first note on the guitar and they got their hands in the air. Okay, the the other side is the person that's sitting there and, um, you know, stoic, and like, well, I I you know I wasn't raised this way. That's not my personality. Uh, when I, I just read that ver the, these verses out of uh, Psalm ninety five. I didn't hear, I didn't see anywhere in there where it said, well, unless it's not your personality. So I, I you know, okay. But uh, I, I wasn't raised like that. The The religious system that I was in uh, <laughs> didn't do those things. Yeah, that's me. 
Um, but then there's that place of, I, I think for all of us, no matter where we are in that spectrum, we should always be examining ourselves. So I got in trouble. I've got in trouble a couple of times uh, <laughs> uh, in congregational <laughs> settings. Yeah, just a, just a few. Um, Not you, Mike. Hundred. I, I know. A few hundred. Yeah, a few hundred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have done this a, co- a few times. I've told the dancers to quit dancing. You you want to get some people mad at you, because there's this thing in Hebrew roots movement, uh, is you know is the dance okay, mm-hmm. but that dance I think is beautiful worship. But I have also come to the place of understanding there there are people that can get so involved in the dance it becomes repetition and they forget about the purpose of the dance and maybe they need to sit down for a while. Maybe they need to just stop for a while. Maybe they need to 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 kneel before him, yeah. to bow down before him. Maybe the person that's always raising their hands needs to put their hands down. Maybe the person that never raises their hands needs to put their hands up. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that's yeah. That's really what I was saying is is that place of honesty. You know, from one extreme to the other, like, you know, if you're the first person, uh, like you said, if somebody strums a guitar, your hands are in the air, or you're the person that, you know, you sit as far back in the room as possible, you know, so that nobody sees you not stand, you know, where is the honest worship? Where is the middle ground? Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to is is finding where that is so that you know you're at an honest place of worship with the Father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A conference we did not too long ago, um, we had been t- together, and I won't say where, we've been in a number of them lately together. Um, it, it was tough. You guys were you guys were having a tough time. And it was it was hard for for everybody. Um because people were just not responding well. A lot mm-hmm. of folks talking, and uh I usually am toward the back of the room. Uh, just because of myself, my personality, I watch for things kind of a, in a, a security kind of thing, uh, not just physical, but a spiritual security. But I found that day, I just needed to, I just need to say, forget that. And I went to the front because I'd gotten so tired of looking and watching people that were not, mm-hmm. they, they were just sitting Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, I know that sounds judgmental, but you know, sometimes it's just a fact. They were just sitting, and I had to disconnect from that. I had to get to where yes. you know I had to yeah. go to the front so that I could not have that stuff clouding me all the time because it's poison sometimes. Sitting there and watching people who who are refusing to enter into a time of worship can poison you. Yes, I can. And I would say, um, just to back up what you're saying, some of the most powerful moments of worship that I've experienced is when the dancers stop. And they're just standing there like that. Is, that's when you know. That's one of the, the mm-hmm. signs. Mm-hmm. When when a group of Hebrew roots people stopped dancing, that's when you, <laughs> you really know something's going on in the room. And, yeah. and I would say the same exact thing is, for true, is true for musicians. Like, we can really hide behind our instruments sometimes. It is very easy to do. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. And and we have to be careful for sure to to not to not do that to be because it's a vulnerable place to begin with to be up there submitting yourself to the opinions of everyone every single thing you do say sing every note you hit everything you do like it is mm-hmm. it, it can be under a microscope it's a very vulnerable place and to not do the thing that you're up there to do makes you even more vulnerable but we have to do that sometimes we have to be discerning um, to the best of our ability, which we all fall short, um, to know when it's time to stop. Yes. Turning up that part of your brain, because especially if you start like oh, as a sound and bass guy, I look, I, my ears are immediately like music's playing. What are they doing? Yeah. What's it sound like? And mm-hmm. immediately want to place myself in. Well, if I was running the soundboard, I would be changing this, 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 and just starting just my that part of the brain is just like, oh, it's churning away. Everything's good. And then I start noticing what my outward posture is. And it's mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm just all trapped up in here thinking about analyzing and all this stuff. And then I'll go, all right, stop. Like you said, my mm-hmm. stop. This is this is yeah. I'm not here to do this. I'm not grading them. This is ridiculous. Yeah, like the, I'm, I'm being ridiculous. I need to stop. And in the end, the thing that is so incredibly difficult in every single area of life is that we have to walk such a fine balance in yeah. everything. Mm. Like, because we're talking about this whole thing where faith without works is dead, and how these things you have to act on these things sometimes. But at the same time, we're called human beings, not human doings, and. Mm we have to make sure that even in the midst of knowing that we have to act and and act upon our faith at the same time, not get into the idea. Like I have to do this in order to please God because Mm. the really powerful moments is when there's nothing going on and you're just on your face and he's just there like that. But that balance has to be everywhere. That honesty, like you're talking about Ryan and, and it is exhausting like let me just tell you it's exhausting trying to find that balance in every single area of life yeah i mean it, it for those in ministry it's like you're supposed to hit a home run every time you step up to the plate mm-hmm. yeah you, you really are never allowed just the third base hit um mm-hmm. and that can put a pressure on you but uh, if we have anybody that's, that's in ministry of, of any, I, I want to speak directly to uh, something here. Uh, whether you're a speaker, a musician, whatever you are, whatever, whatever venue, whatever job description you have in this whole thing, act like you're engaged. You know, to, to watch a speaker that's just deadpan that never smiles, that never has emotion, that never has any inflection in their, you know, that never has any passion in their voice. I I have a hard time with that. Musicians, you know, the hardest, (laughs) the hardest thing for me to do is worship with, with somebody playing a bass guitar besides David Covert. I don't know if you guys have ever watched bass guitarists. They look totally bored. Mm-hmm. Absolutely totally bored. They're just like, 
you know, I, I, I guess that playing a bass guitar is, you know, there's not a, I, I know there's a lot to it, but it's like, you know, there's just some ba very basic, but at least look like you're into it. Okay. You know, a singer that's the, that, I think that sometimes though I can't stand to watch my, I don't like to listen to myself. I, you know, Kathy's, you know, gets up on, on Shabbat morning and puts my, my living Torah, uh, teaching on. And I, I don't like to listen to myself. I don't like to look at myself. Uh, it just creeps me out, but there's times that I need to watch myself to say to would, would, am I with my inflections, with my voice, with my, with my presence, the way that I'm dressed, you know, am I providing an avenue that is conducive to other people worshiping? Right. Or, or do yeah. I look bored? Because if, if I'm bored with me, how can I tell you to be excited about what I'm saying? Or if you look bored with your, with your, you know, as you're playing, as you're, as you're worshiping, if you're looking bored, you're not giving me anything. Yep. Remember too, and this is a, this is just a, actually a stage note that comes from Broadway. Small movements on stage or in front of an audience are not noticeable. They're not seen. Usually it has to be exaggerated movements yeah. or exaggerated expressions that will carry from the stage to an audience. What am I saying by that? When you're entering in, you better give it all you got because it's got to translate to that back row. Mm -hmm. So don't hold back. I think that too, yeah. or like that, that same principle, that same idea, the small movements aren't noticeable, exaggerated ones are. So you'll find out very quickly in, in a stage sense, if you mess up and then you go, oh, what's wrong with me? Why did I mess that up? <laughs> now everyone knows you messed up. Yeah. But you could have played that off and everything was, then no one would be like, what, you messed up? What? I didn't know you messed up. Mm -hmm. you Always mess up twice. Yeah. That's a <laughs> the first time you messed up. The second time it's funky. <laughs> <laughs> that, and I've lived by that. And I, I love that little principle, Ryan, because that's uh, seriously, like it really has, uh, you, you always will hit a wrong note. It, it just comes, it mm -hmm. happens. Just like in worship, you'll hit a wrong thing sometimes, or you'll, you'll, uh, <laughs> I'm guilty of this. Uh, who would have think that uh, I'll get so into my worship, I'll just bump into somebody because I'll be, I'll be lost in my own world. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in my own thing. Yeah, that's funny. But um, it happens. Yeah. But you, just, you don't allow that to be the defining moment of, oh, wow, I, I really messed up there. No, keep mm -hmm. moving. I've really tried to like, hardcore incorporate that into when i lead worship that i don't care because yeah. i i think that we as humans and especially as um humans that are believers like we take ourselves way too seriously way too seriously oh, yeah. like does does no one think that yeshua had a sense of humor and that he was like joking around with the disciples and like some of these yeah. things that you read, like, you know, that actually seem like really stern. Like he was probably just like, you foolish person. Like, you know, I just, 
I don't know. I don't see that. And I try to translate that because there's songs that I play that I know I can't hit the notes, but I don't care because I have so much fun with them. And I just, there's just this thing inside of me that has to come out. And, and so here's, here's the question. Are we embarrassed to show Yeshua how grateful we are for what he has done for us? Oh, no. Whether it's, whether it's in the crowd or whether it's on the, on the stage, like, I hope that I never become so embarrassed or, or worry about what I sound like or worry about becoming embarrassed because in the end, like, I don't care what you think because you didn't die to save me. He did. So everything that I do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and to, to lead people, hopefully, because that's what I've been called to in those, in those circumstances. But everything I do is geared toward him and showing him how grateful I am for what he has done for me. Right. Yeah. There it is, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here that, first. I'm done. <laughs> there, right there. Yeah. Anybody want to add to that? <laughs> No, I'll just let that sink in. Uh, no, uh, that's, yeah, really, it's that. I'm going to use that line now. Somebody's mm -hmm. going to be like, oh, this is what I think about this. I'm going to be like, well, did you die for me? <laughs> did you die for me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, uh, yeah, consider it this way, guys. He died so that we could have a hope in a future. <laughs> So I guess since he lived his life on purpose, so should we. Bless what you guys. Segue. Yeah, yeah. David, <laughs> have a great time next week on your anniversary. Yes. And uh, we will miss we'll you. See ya. We, we, will. Miss you guys. we will, for sure. All right. You alone hear my.